Sports Joe presents House of Rugby. Together with Heineken. Get the facts. Be drink aware. Visit drinkaware.ie. Hello and you're all very welcome to House of Rugby with thanks to Heineken. My name is Moritz Rasny-Rule and I'm delighted to be joined this week by former Leinster and Ireland international Mike Ross and Munster man Johnny Murphy to look back on probably one of the most heartbreaking defeats in Irish rugby history. Our World Cup dream is over. Johnny, we dared to dream. We had such hope and I suppose never had an Irish team had such expectation going in to quarterfinals. We really believed that we were going to make it maybe the whole way and it just wasn't to be. Yeah, I think, look, people after the game have been uh, talking about small margins, um, you know, bounce of a ball, you know, legs underneath the ball, different things. It's just, uh, yeah, so disappointing. Um, you know, I felt that uh, even with the start, you know, scoring just before half time and then 10 minutes after half time, if I, I thought they looked very, very comfortable. And if they'd managed to get over the line then, uh, that they would kind of kick on and uh, and seal the deal. But yeah, just to for the lads to go out in that fashion um, and they'll look back at kind of probably two or three incidences where they probably didn't mm-hmm. perform to where they, they can. And I suppose that's the big thing that's going to hurt uh, all those guys, you know. So, but yeah, it's been a been a tough forty eight hours since. Um, so yeah, it's been very very disappointing. Yeah, eight quarterfinal appearances, eight quarterfinal defeats. This one's really going to sting, Mike. You were there. You're not over it yet. No. <laughs> what I was, was like, the atmosphere like? It was great. Because I just can we not talk about rugby? <laughs> you know, I just, talk about Paris. Yeah, yeah. No, it, like it was fant- like probably one of the best uh, atmospheres I've been in in a while. You know. Uh, I think the stadium is probably 70% Irish at least. And uh, if you're going, going around Paris, you're seeing green jerseys everywhere, you know. So, yeah, it's just like, oh, so, so disappointing. And, you know, um, I think for a couple of weeks now, from now, I'll still be uh, one of my favourite comedians, like a Bill Burr, and says sometimes you just have to go into your bedroom, shut the door and scream into a pillow. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of, the, kind of the current mood, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, you know, I mean... It's probably our best ever quarter for final performance too. Mm. That's that's the, that's the harsh part of it, you know. Uh, we like I don't think we choked, you know. I, I think it's just those little fine, couple of fine margins didn't go mm. our way, and New Zealand probably paid the best they have in four years, you know. So and I, you know I think that they're we're, we're now at the top table of world rugby, and you know another four years I know we have to wait another four years but if we can keep that kind of trajectory going and that momentum and have a really solid body of work uh, around us in, in 2027 you know it's I know it's a long way from now it but so it goes away, it goes quick because yeah, 2019 yeah. didn't seem that long ago mm. in terms of time so yeah and like there's a number of players there will have another shot at it unfortunately you know Johnny and Earlsey and Peter Manny won't be there but um, there, there are I, I do see reason for hope. Well, I, I like that. And we, yeah. we'll maybe lean towards the hope later on, but let's wallow in the defeat for a <laughs> while now. Um, however rotten we're feeling, the players, I'd imagine, making that journey home today will be feeling the defeat. They'll be feeling the sore bodies after such a performance. How will they reflect on that now? What will the lingering feeling be? Um, 
I suppose just disappointment. I suppose, and and everyone's going to run through every every one of their actions. You know, the whole through through the whole game, uh, over and over again. And what if I did this or what if I did that? It was interesting after the game. Um, you know, Andy Farrell was very clear, and a lot of his post match stuff. He wanted to say, you know, it's about trying trying to get. It's going to take some time, but to try and get some smiles back on their faces and to be very proud of what they've done and what they've achieved over the last eighteen months to two years. Um, you know, but in every one of the guys on that plane on the way back today is, you know, ultra competitive and they're going to really analyze themselves to the minute detail. Um, and I suppose that's something that, you know, when they reflect on it after a period of time, I suppose what the journey that they've been on, they can be incredibly proud of that. Uh, but ultimately, you know, sport can be very, very harsh and, um, it ended in a in a fashion that mm-hmm. none of us thought it was going to end in. Looking at the game itself now, Mike, what was the defining moment for you? Probably that double penalty concession, uh, where we, we, we he kicked. I think it was about sixty minutes in. Was it? Try and remember now. I, I, I was being entertained, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he missed missed the first kick, and then we gave him away a penalty mm. thirty seconds later, and he mm. got that. And ultimately, that penalty stopped us from going for a drop goal in the last. Yeah, a few phases, you know. So probably that, you know. Um, I mean, there's a couple of other things that you know, uh, dropping the ball in midfield and characteristic missed tackle on Moanga, you know, another kind of characteristic, you know, uh, that allowed them to score. So uh, it's those key moments. And like Johnny said, I mean, <sighs> I was unfortunately part of two quarterfinal defeats, and it's a little bit like there's a death in the family, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, without being too overwrought about it, but you're almost like in mourning for what could have been mm-hmm. on the way back, and it takes a long, it takes a few months to get over that. If you ever do, like it still stings, yeah. you know. When I think back, you know, to losing against Argentina in 2015 and Wales in 2011, I mean, that still stings. So, and you know, for a lot of those guys, it's their, they know it's their last chance they're ever going to have yeah. at the World Cup, and that's it. Good luck, good night, and yeah, sport is, it gives you a lot, but it can take a hell of a lot away. And I suppose we all have the sinking feeling as well, because looking at the way Ireland have performed up until now, they have been at 90% throughout the World Cup so far through the group stages with with South Africa as well, but they didn't play to their potential. And it's, it's looking back on the past few years as well, we're not used to that from this team. And I suppose seeing that, when it counts, it really hurts. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, to back up Mike, I think that kind of 55, you know, that 10 minute period there where they got a turnover leading up to the to um, to the final try for um, for New Zealand. They got a really good turnover. They go down the far end of the pitch and they have them under a huge amount of pressure. And Savea gets a turnover just underneath the posts. Off that, that's where the that's where they scored their try from, and that just kind of it was a huge momentum shift because they had got really good transition attack by getting their own turnover ball pops out late. Um, Porter jumps on it, they go hands to the edge, and they're they have uh, New Zealand really really stretched, and then Savea just picks his his time and chases the ball and and gets that penalty, and that it was all those kind of momentum shifts yeah. seem to go their way. Um, like w- when we scored before half time, 
you felt, you know, and, you know, there was a Simbin on, you felt, okay, we're going to kick on now. And those little things just didn't give them that momentum swing when they needed it. Like the bounce of the ball for Sheehan, the, um, you know, those little things, they were just that couple of inches off yeah. from, I felt, in the first 10 minutes of the second half, I felt they're going to they're gonna go on and, and could potentially w do this easy if they got a yeah. try then. just They just needed that one swing to get back, to get to get that momentum shift in their favour. And if they'd gone ahead or, you know, Johnny's penalty, obviously, yeah. those tiny, tiny things, they just never got that momentum swing, that big shift where New Zealand seemed to get it all the time. And they worked really hard for it, but they did get those those shifts in, in momentum the whole way through the game. And they were up against it, really, because that first 20-minute period cost them. They gave away five penalties in the first 17 minutes and they were 13-0 down. They were they were always chasing the game. Yeah, and like I think back to the first kickoff and there's some uncharacteristic errors from New Zealand and we just didn't like the bad pass, the slice kick, yeah. you know, and I thought, we're going to do it now, you know, yeah. they're, they're rattled already, you know, but they recovered well, New Zealand recovered well and came back from it. And, you know, I mean, when we went, the first penalty we had, a bit far out. Do we take the points, try and take the points there? Or is it was probably the right call to go for mm. the corner, you know, probably a higher percentage call. But, yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of the opposite of the South Africa game. What, what, you know, what Johnny's referring to, you know, the little 50-50s that mm. broke New Zealand's way. Well, they're breaking our way in a South Africa game. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, it's, it's very fine margins. Very what do you do put the uncharacteristic errors down to? Like we have to speak about New Zealand and how brilliant they were. Like you, you reckon it's their best performance in the past four, four years. Um, is it just pressure or do you think that the, the occasion got to them? Uh, I don't think so. I think it, you know, you have to pay kind of tribute to how New Zealand play, uh, played, uh, how their back row functioned, you know, um, their breakdown work was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly enough, they obviously had a clear tactic around trying to attack our seam off line out time. The first two, three line outs of the game, they attacked down that channel. Um, their final try, obviously, as you already spoke about, that comes from Sheen kind of getting flat footed and then uh, Van der Fleer missing a one on one. They were really going after that, that seam in the line out. Um, and that paid dividends for them. Yeah. Um, at at uh, rook time, they were really smart in what they did. They they were controlled, uh, picked their times to go chase the ball well. Um, when they were rolling, they only got gave away one roll away penalty, I think. But they were rolling kind of towards us slightly, which was just focusing, which was kind of taking our focus away to rather than being having having good clear opportunity to clean out kind of had to swing or step around use footwork before we got there um, and that gave them two or three opportunities to get on the ball um, but yeah I, I thought their back row I think their back row was probably the the reason that, that they won the game in terms of how they went after the breakdown how um, how good they were there yeah. and you know, usually we would say one of our our back row was one of the best in the world, but I thought they got outplayed on 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 Saturday evening. The Joe fact, the Joe Smith factor was spoken about in the lead up to the game, and I suppose we saw his fingerprints all over the breakdown. Yeah, it was always a big focus area for him. But you know, I think what John, Johnny alluded to attacking the same off lineup, but also those little dinks mm. over the top. You know, and that that 
smelled like Joe to me a bit too, you know, that he identified there's probably a little space. bit too much separation yeah. there between the front and the back lines and went after it because I, I haven't seen teams do that before. No, it's a new kind of thing that because most teams are kind of 13-2, there is space there, but you have it has to be like perfectly executed like the other night because it's a bouncing ball and can go anywhere. But I would agree with with their with Rossi on that. Like that's a huge area that they and they got a load of change mm-hmm. off that. Joe Smith, has he made them a more accurate team? I would say, yeah. You know, um, like I, I'm not exactly sure his level of day-to-day involvement, but knowing Joe is probably quite high, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, like, you know, if you look at teams that worked with Joe, Joe's, like, very, you know, he's very um, insistent upon a, a, a superb breakdown. He's, he's really insistent on pass quality, you know, being having good um, competition in the air. You know, it's a couple of times, you know, you're kicking, like, Joe would always pick a winger who was good in the air so he could contest those kicks. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I see little fingerprints there, yeah. Talk about this set piece. We, you mentioned the line out there, and that was something that was talked about throughout the group stages, really. We were under pressure at times. We lost three line outs in the first 25 minutes. Is this something that could have been prevented in the sense that it, it should have been looked at beforehand? Was it was it something that went wrong or was it simply the pressure that New Zealand had put under? Was it something that went wrong with our tactic or approach? Lineout is a complicated machine, right? Because you've got, there's three factors in it. The hooker's throw, the positioning of, of the pod that's going up to intercept it and the lift. Okay, if one of those is slightly off, you don't win your lineout. Now, um... New Zealand competed well. They put pods up at two and four. I think I, I need to go back and look at it, but like I remember us trying to throw in between the two pods, you know, because if you tack off the back of a line out, it's better attacking ball because it gets to the back line quicker, so that those little fractions of second uh, exist that wouldn't exist otherwise. So that's why we went for it. But you know, New Zealand did compete quite successfully and spoil it a bit. You know, it wasn't as you know bad as the. South African game, but yeah, it definitely cost us at key times. And Andrew Porsche was under pressure when it came to the scrum. Talk to us about that. Was he unfairly targeted by Wayne Barnes? Yeah, I mean, like I, I went back and looked at a couple of those scrums and I, another referee gives that the other way, you know. And, you know, because he's penalised going forward, which if that's a French referee, yeah. you're getting those calls. I mean, what, what New Zealand tried to do is they tried to create a three on two and the way they did that was, um, what's, his, what's, his, what's the loose's name? Uh, the Groot. The Groot was kind of pulling his head outside of the tag and trying to slip outside him. And then Lomax is turning in and angling across the scrum to try and create a three on two and leave Porter behind him. Now, Tig kind of kept the scrum moving sideways. So when Lomax turned in, he had nowhere to go. And, and one of them, like, he actually gets lifted off the ground by Porter and, and dumped backwards. So... I felt we were pretty harsh done by in the mm. scrum, you know, and I was just looking at some analysis of it there. Like, there's a first scrum, definitely. Second scrum, well, you could say maybe we went across too quickly or whatever. Sometimes it's legal to lift a guy off the ground. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a case that we were dominated in the scrum. It was technical calls. So does it come down to the refereeing decisions at the at the scrum? I know we didn't lose the game because of that, but it did swing the momentum in New Zealand's Yeah, well, I think favorite. as we said already, those their their momentum shifts. They, yeah, yeah uh, I think they were um, they were on their ball. So you know they're looking one the one 
in the 22, that gives them an easier release where they can just, you know, exit off a penalty. And that there, Ireland are pushing hard in terms of of that. They've had a couple of kicks in behind. There's been a, um, it was the one where I, I think uh, Gibson Park kicks across to Pete on the edge for that one-on-one and it goes forward. So Ireland are in top, they're dominant in that period of the game. And that penalty there just allows New Zealand take a breath reset and go on off and then have a line out in and around the halfway line so it's just again it's just that momentum shift and it's a 50-50 call because that you know Wayne Barnes is obviously seeing pictures that he doesn't like and for whatever reason that's Mm -hmm. him but that you know scrummaging you know it's a lot of referees well in my opinion, wouldn't really know what's going on, so they just look for for certain things. You know? Is it a factor and that he knows the Irish players so well that he has refed them a lot? Does that come into it at all? Sure, I suppose if he felt he had something like that pre-game, sure he's going to speak to the front row and explain, look, this is what I'm looking for, yeah. that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, but you know, I I think I don't think. There, that's the winning and losing no. of the game. Um, I thought in general he was he was quite mm-hmm. quite good. Um, yeah, so it's just again, it's just another one of those added things that just the momentum shifts their way and yeah. the, and they get a lot out of, out of those calls. Because despite all these things going against them, Ireland still could have won that game at the end. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it was incredible. Was it thirty five? Thirty seven. Thirty seven. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know we we could be sitting here talking about what about heroic you know rearguard action yeah. at the very mm-hmm. end to drag it across the line, but again we're kind of suffering that it was four, mm. four points was a gap, yeah. Yeah. you know, so the option to drop kick wasn't there, so we had to score a try, and uh, New Zealand knew that, and in fair, fairness, like they defended heroically for those phases and eventually got the you know match winning penalty. Yeah, when they were going through the phases, I still had hope that they'd get over the line because this Irish team has shown such resilience and such character. And even to come within a point after being 13-0 down, 18-10 down, to fight back and put themselves in a winning position at the end is unbelievable. But I felt like the players... I remember a pass to Tyg Byrne. They they were completely off their feet. They were exhausted when it came to that point. Um, in hindsight, looking at the selection in the group stages up until now and comparing it to the way New Zealand managed that period, I know they had an easier group. Should we have rested more players? Should we have rotated more? Or do you think the conditioning of our players comes into it at all? Uh, I don't think it really does come into yeah. it at all, to be honest. Um I think you throw a fully fit, you know, last day of preseason or first day of preseason. You ask any team to do thirty-seven phases yeah. for three and a half, four minutes. There, everyone's going to be, you know, flaked at at the end, um, and that's ultimately how they got the turnover. It was a two v one from a rooking perspective for the Irish guys, and uh, you know, it's it's a tired clean by by the two lads that that allows the turnover happen. Um, and that, you know, I don't think it's da- it's yeah. down to that. Um, you know, everyone, every member of the squad played. You know, you probably look at, um, you know, Jimmy O'Brien's impact when he came on. Could he have got a bit more game time at some at some stage with his versatility? Did he deserve to be kind of twenty three more often? Um, yeah, he did well when he, he came on. He did really on. well. Um, so yeah, 
they're going to look at that. I'd say the coaching staff, that's something that they're going to have to go and review and, and think to themselves. But, you know, I think 37 phases, three and a half, four minutes, anyone's going to be yeah. on their feet at, at that stage, even if it's the first play of the game. Um, so... Yeah, I don't think it it comes down to to that. I think it's it's the management of that that time frame when they were on top between forty to fifty five minutes. I think is is where the game was was probably lost. And what about the two yellow cards? There was a twenty minute period there where they were against fourteen men, and I maybe they didn't capitalize on that. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. You know, uh, we probably should have made more of that, and that you know that'll be another regret that we have. Uh, I mean, if you, if you look at the loss, so they lost um, the hooker Dane Coles and um, Conrad Smith went off for that knockdown. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Smith, Smith. Aaron, Aaron, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Smith. Yeah, uh, like you can probably survive Johnny you know, a, a scrum half miss you know, more more than you can survive a hooker. And like that's another one. No, another one. Does I know it's one of the scrums they were packing down uh, with the tight head had no flanker behind them right on their ball and. Sure enough, we got shunt, but again, another penalty was given against us. So it was just, mm. yeah, a bit. And like in the plays that they did when Smith was off, they clearly went after kind of his position where he would be in the uh, in the defensive system. So they'd kind of hit and then look to come back down blindside. They got good traction off that, but nothing stuck for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Like that's where Hansen's kick to, um, you know, Hansen's kick. There, that bounce, if that bounces up, you know, into Sheen's hands, yeah. you're we're wait, those were the the things, but yeah, I do think that they probably needed to, you know, build more pressure in in those periods where they had that have that time, um, and I think that's gonna sting them when they look back at it that they didn't really suffocate them enough during that during those twenty minute periods. They got within mm-hmm. chances and, um. You know, obviously, um, they were on top, but they didn't make that. They didn't make that. That they didn't count. Make it count. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I suppose, as we said, New Zealand were immense, and they they played better than they have played over the past few years. And they played when it counted. Ireland may have been the best team in the world for the past four years. New Zealand were the best team on the day, and they know their their pedigree. They know how to play at World Cups and on they roll now until next week. But what now for this Ireland team? A lot of the stalwarts are stepping away. Where do we go from here, Mike? You still have hope. I still have hope, <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I, I think, you know, for some of the younger lads playing their first World Cups, you know, so like Joe McCarthy, I think he looks like a great talent for the future, mm-hmm. you know, um, as a lot of ballast in that pack. You know, Dan Sheehan is his first World Cup. Quaylen Doris's first World Cup, you know, there's pl- plenty of guys there who will be there for the foreseeable future and can take this experience. But like I said earlier, I, it was our best ever quarterfinal performance, mm-hmm. you know, and any other tournament that that's we're meeting them in the semifinal, you know, we're not yes, meeting them exactly. at the quarterfinal stage. So that was a bit of a unlucky with, with stick with, in the crawl. Yeah, yeah, group. it is because you look at the other side of the draw and you know, I think Johnny said earlier, it's like a, like a different type of rugby being yeah. played. It's like two different tournaments. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, look, they'll, they'll lick their wounds and we'll go back to the provinces, you know, our clubs, yeah. and, um, you know, you, there's a 
European Cup coming up. You know, yeah, and, and, gonna... and I suppose this shouldn't take away from what this group has achieved. You have the first series win down New Zealand, the Grand Slam, 17 matches on the trot. So 17 winning games on the trot. So they have achieved so much as a group. And I suppose even though a core group of these players are stepping away, they're, they're in a good place to move forward and to build on this now. Yeah, I think... Um Looking at uh, Ireland as a as a whole, um, I suppose David Nusifor's reign is coming to an end as well. I suppose the last thing for him was a successful World Cup. Unfortunately, that hasn't. But he is leaving. You know, Irish rugby in a, in an incredible spot, um, and I think with the way the tournament has panned out, I think that the four teams that were on the same side could actually have a real separation between everyone else in, in World Rugby over the next four years. Um, you look at what's going on at the underage level within the provincial, uh, within all provinces, um, you know, the, how they've performed at under 20 level over mm-hmm. the last two, three years. Um, and it's consistently, you know, South Africa, um, New Zealand, France, Ireland at underage that are really pushing themselves and testing themselves. Um, and, you know, I've been away with the with a devel- an Irish development side and you play, you know, Wales and Scotland and they don't have a, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just seems that there could be a bit more separation now in the kind of four superpowers or powers of and just unfortunately the way the draw was they all ended up on the same side Um, but I do think that Ireland are going to be pushing you know top three in the world consistently with the structures that are in place and you know these the younger guys now they don't know what's been before you know they've lost one game in 17 you know in, in 18 this is you know obviously it's a it's a massive blip. It's something that is going to hurt a lot of them, but it can fuel them and, and it can be a really big kind of learning experience for them all and, you know, four years time. But I think it's important for them all. And I was in England when, um, you know, guys came back from World Cups at diff- from all over the world and different different people's mentality and different people's feelings can really affect the group. Um, you know, when you're the England lads got to a final and they were bouncing in, you yeah. know, they did where, you know, Ireland got knocked out early, you know, a couple of Samoans and Fijians, they were back after the group stages. So it takes a while to kind of re-embed everything mm-hmm. in your provinces. And that's something that they have to really try and park, move on because Europe is going to be a huge test for for them all this uh, this year. How will this defeat be viewed by people outside of Ireland? You don't think we were chokers, Mike, but is it just that history will show that we lost another quarter final? Yeah, and you can't really get away from that. But I mean, can't really control what people think about you outside Ireland. All you can do yeah. is control how how you react to it. And as Johnny mentioned, like we've been grand slamming under twenty level the past couple of years. You know, there's a yeah. really good group of young crop youngsters coming up through the academies right now that we'll be talking about at, at the next World Cup cycle and we'll, we'll still have a lot of you know experience in the group you know like I mentioned guys who is their first World Cup have you know plenty more years in them um, but yeah the, like the history will show is another quarter, quarter, quarter final defeat but if you compare it to all the other ones like this is the best <laughs> yeah. so there's there's an improvement it still just was we just came a fraction short yeah. but it was our best ever quarter final performance and against I say 99% of the other teams that's enough yeah 
you know, so it's... Uh, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts, yeah. Yeah, it yeah, really hurts, Mike. Is there a pillow here? I can go screech <laughs> into, you know, because it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a difficult one to take. But um, look, with, you can just, you know, this too yeah. shall pass. So ho- mm. hopefully it'll pass quickly. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, Andy Farrell spoke to the media after the game about the feeling in the dressing room after such a disappointing result. I'm immensely proud. I'm, I'm immensely proud of absolutely everyone that's connected with Irish rugby, to be fair. Um, the staff have been immense uh, over the last four years. Um, the players, not just in this squad, but the players that we've used in that four-year cycle have been a joy to work with. Um, and not just that, uh, the connection with the fans and, and you know, it's, it's all, it seems like it's all one big family, you know, so I'm un- unbelievably proud to be, to, to be associated with it, with it all, associated with it all, I think. Uh, the sad thing for us now is that for this group, it's probably the end. Obviously, it is for, for Johnny and Keith Earls is, is going to retire as well. So it's, it's, so things are going to change. Mick Carney, our, our manager, is going gonna, is gonna to finish up as well. So over the next 24 hours, it's time to um, make sure that we... Um, get a smile back on our face as soon as we possibly can and celebrate um, what has been some unbelievable careers and what they've done for Irish rugby so it's important to us that Did that make you feel any better Mike? <laughs> Are you the, close the funny, to tears? The, uh, the funny thing was you know I, I saw Andy Farrell down the pitch and he had a big smile on his face yeah. you know and I thought that was like so that like a huge degree of leadership like he's consoling guys putting arms around shoulders and, and Peter Romani said that yeah. about the, the chat in the dressing room afterwards that Andy Farrell was so positive and trying to instill in the players to be proud of what they have achieved Yeah and like, you know, for me, I think he's a man to lead us to the next one. You know, I, I, I really like how the team have grown and developed over the past four years. And I, I don't see any reason that can't continue. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the end of an era, as he said there, for this group of players. And they've all spoken about what a special group it is. Um, they will have to continue now without the stalwarts. He mentioned Johnny Sexton there, Keith Earls, a few other players I'm sure won't be there um, in the next four year cycle. But a word on Johnny Sexton. He didn't get the fairy tale ending we would have hoped. Uh, all of us wanted it for him more than anything. And it is hugely disappointing that he had to bow out the way that he did. Yeah, incredibly disappointing for him. Um, look, he's the you know he is in my opinion probably Ireland's best ever player in terms of how long he's 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 done it for the level that he's done it for up to the age he did it so um yeah it's uh it's gooding for him um you know obviously you see um you know Luke on the pitch with him after the game and, and that set me things. off altogether yeah, <laughs> it's um yeah it's just really gooding for him and seeing kind of how emotional he was after it's the end of an era um, and yeah, I'm just, just devastated mm. for him. Um, you know, he did say himself after that, you know, you can work as hard as you want, but sometimes fairy tale endings just, they just don't happen. And as we've said before, that's, that's sport, but yeah, yeah I'm absolutely good for him, but he has been, um, everything that's been good about Irish rugby for, for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a standard kind of setter across the board. Um, and, yeah, he's 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 truly one of one of ours, if not the greatest rugby player we've uh, ever produced. Andy Farrell spoke again and again about his impact on this team as a player, but as a person and a leader as well. You played with him, Mike. How did he make this team better? Uh, I think he just 
trove standards. You know, uh, anyone who's ever played with Johnny will know he's quite uh, he's quite cranky, <laughs> but uh, he's also has like you know unbelievably high standards and. He's not afraid to call someone out if, if he feels you're not below the, you're, you're, you're setting a standard below that, you know. So like that's the other thing. I, you know, I've come to realize like, Johnny's about fifteen years, if not, maybe eighteen years playing at the top and level. What he, was he twenty four when he came out? Broke yeah, but he's been playing professional yeah. player since twenties, yeah. right? Yeah, 20, so like yeah. that's an enormous amount of rugby IP in his brain, you mm-hmm. know. So he sees things happen before. I mean, well, maybe his body doesn't allow him to do things, to, but he's still, you know, an out half is more like a quarterback. You know, and we've seen Tom Brady go on for years and years because just make know how to make the right decisions at the right time and the amount of experience that he has going back and forth and looking for openings and making the right call. Yeah, that, that's hard to be understated, you know, but that's the problem with rugby. It's just soon you kind of get be a subject matter expert, you mm-hmm. know, father time taps you on the shoulder mm-hmm. and says it's, it's time to go, you know, but like... Uh, the, you know, there's very few players that are able to play to that level because the bodies just don't let them, you know. But Johnny's been well managed in the last few years of his career, so he was able to keep pulling out those performances. When he came onto the scene first, could you predict that he would be as good and as great a player as he was? Do you know, it's, it's funny. So I, I think I first met Johnny uh, probably 2006, right, where we went on a, a Churchill Cup together, right? Yeah, I think you were on that, that one, one in yeah, Bristol, yeah, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. and I was rooming with Johnny <laughs> and um, he wasn't getting a lot of love in Leinster at the time and he was asking me what the premiership was like, you know, so uh, look how it turned out, yeah. you know, I mean, Pontipomi gets injured, he gets his chance and he takes it and, you know, that 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 never looked back never after looked that. Back. It would be a pity to lose his rugby brain out of the Irish rugby system. Do you think he'll go into coaching? I don't think so I, I believe he's going to give the corporate world a go first see how he gets on that you know I'll have to watch out for HR and corporate <laughs> <laughs> you know there's not much HR in professional sport you know so he can't you can't be telling someone what you really think of him uh, so but um, I think it's Arda Arda, Arda. Arda. Arda yeah, yeah. he's gone to yeah so I don't I mean he might come back to it see how depending on how it goes from but he probably want a few years of separation mm-hmm between himself and the, and the current squad, you know, because it can be quite difficult if you're going in managing it. some guys you were only playing with the previous season, you know. Um, I can kind of see him doing a bit what maybe what Paulie did in terms of taking that break away from a yes. while. Um, you know, going out, uh, doing kind of stuff, doing what he's doing in the corporate sense and then maybe, you know, starting at kind of maybe some age grade stuff or, or you know, or his twenties, nineteens, those those things. Um um but I wouldn't be in any way surprised if he did end up there just with someone with, with such you know, such knowledge and rugby mm-hmm. IQ. Um and you know, he's the ultimate competitor, so he, you know he'll have to try and get that fixed from somewhere. So, um, yeah, that's the, that's maybe that's probably the journey that that he wants to go on. But guys who've played to that high highest level for such a long period, like Paul and himself, as Rossi said, they just need that kind of separation from from the group and their yeah. really tight knit group of friends to then see what happens after that. Well, he was asked after the game what it felt like for it all to come to an end after such a positive few weeks. How can you be prouder to be Irish when you see what's happened over the last uh, six weeks, really? Like, it's uh, we get behind the team like no other. Um, it's in, it's incredible and uh, it's not wasted on us and that's why it's so hard to take, really, that... Uh, 
we didn't give them another couple of weekends. Um, but like Baz said, it's it's small margins, and uh, that's sport, that's life. It's unfortunate, but we this group will bounce back. They're they're an incredible, incredible bunch led by the man beside me, and uh, the best group I've ever been a part of, bar like bar none. Um, and these guys, they'll they'll go on and achieve great things. Um, and I'll be sitting in the stand having a point like you lads. Shouting at them. That's <laughs> what he'll be doing. So we march on with the semi-finals. Unfortunately, Ireland aren't there. But if we look at how things are shaping up next weekend, Mike, Argentina face New Zealand. They know each other fairly well. Would you give them any chance? Mm, not if New Zealand play like they did. You know, I, I, I don't think that, that, that I think New Zealand win a canter over there. Really? No, yeah. no, if New Zealand, you know, end up like England in in 2019 and play their final game, you know, their, their, their best game against us and then go down level, then, yeah, Argent, Argentina will have to play better than they've been playing so far. Yeah, they tournament. were very disappointing in the group stages, but they seem to be building into this competition. Yeah, and look, they stuck at it towards the end, like all the, all the, um, you know, all the semi-finals went to kind of probably, you know, the last two or three minutes of the yeah. game. You know, they get that intercept last on, but they're pushing and pushing there. Um, they have been building from what was probably a disastrous, you know, first ga- um, first game out against uh, against England. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't see it. I think completely agree with Mike. I think the both... Um, South Africa and New, and New Zealand, they have to manage how you know how high they are now yeah. after this they have to try and come down reset and and go again but they've been there before both both of those sides I have been there yeah. done that um they've got a lot of experience that have done it before uh within the coaching staff as well so um there's no no reason why you know i i, I would agree i think they they march on and, and well, they, they have seen any chinks in the new zealand armor um i I think they can be a small bit inaccurate at times um, and just which is a very unlike them um, but um, not really if their back row turns up the same way they did the, the other day then yeah I, I do think that they can in a lot of, of multi-phase but Argentina don't play that way um, that if they get to width uh, consistently against them you can kind of break them down Ireland kind of holding a ball and then getting to with they get nice easy yards on the edge and, and it forces them going back that's one one area um, but yeah I, I don't think Argentina play a style that is going to trouble them uh, too much The other semi-final then if we look back firstly on the incredible game that we had last night it feels so cruel that the hosts are now out as well but that game last night, South Africa, France had everything, Mike. Yeah, including a few controversial decisions. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I feel I feel really bad for France. You know, uh, it would have been nice to, you know, see them win it on on their home soil. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we can't do it, but yeah, South Africa just it was like a game for the ages last night, yeah. wasn't it? All the like back and forth, lead changing hands as a few times, and you know. Um, yeah, but like I wonder what's no, certainly a lot more tickets will become available now. Yeah. You know, but uh, unfortunately for us, we won't be needing them. Mm. What impressed you the most about South Africans, South Africa's performance? I suppose we've mentioned it here on the pod before. When Razi took over, two thousand and nineteen kind of happened um, for them. 
their focus was always 2023 and 2019 was a huge achievement, of course, but they have been building towards this World Cup. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look, the, like South Africa can take you on everywhere. You know, they, they, can, they can go route one and smash in the pack. The, or then they can put out to the backs and they have like some of the best backs in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, the pace a, of Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a little mad magician, <laughs> isn't yeah. he? Yeah. And, um, you know, Luke Liano Am, you know, they've got Andre Pollard back for kicking goals, even though they seem to prefer to keep him on the bench because they feel that um, Libok gets the back line moving better, you know, but they'll be able to, you know, they're playing England. So England haven't really troubled the try line too much this tournament. But South Africa can match them in the pack, and I think they'll have better better backs out wide. Yeah, and I think that they're like little things. Their attitude to work rate is unbelievable. Like Colby uh, knocks down Ramos, uh, blocks down Ramos for one for a conversion. They win by they win by a point. You know, like people forget that. Like yeah. the smallest man on the pitch probably pulls out the biggest one percenter of the tournament so far, um, and that contributes to them winning the game they they just don't know how to give up and it just seems to be just their mentality you know yeah. they really work so hard for each other every single play everything matters every moment matters yeah. for them um and you can see it with Sia Khaleesi even when he's uh, on the yeah, bench you yeah, know they just they just he seems to be an incredible leader and yeah. they all follow in behind him um England um you know, we're probably the look of the draw has really given them an opportunity yeah. to again build in, but I just don't think that they're performing at any type of level yeah. that can can really. Nobody Trouble gave South them Africa. a chance to get out of their group, and Steve Borthwick spoke after the game very passionately, backing his players and saying everyone had written us off, everyone's going to write us off this next weekend, but we have a point, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you do because like they, they haven't been performing. No. Yeah, you know, and if you, you look at the resources available to England, you know they've ten teams to pick from. They've over hundred thousand registered. Or it's more yeah. six hundred thousand yeah. registered yeah. players. Like they've, mm. they've, they've, they've so much there, and they're not really. They're much less than the sum of their parts. You know, mm. I mean, properly organized England could probably dominate world rugby for the yeah. next mm. you know hundred years. But uh, whatever way they're in at the moment, you know, they've clubs going bankrupt. And I see that like the RFU are trying back, trying to take back uh, control of like centrally contract twenty players, which is probably a good start, yeah. you know. But we we, t- we talk about the top four in the world, you know, Ireland, France, New Zealand, South Africa. Eng- there's a gap there with England, and you know if they they want to close it pretty quickly. Mm. Will you be dusting off your English jersey now that England are the only Northern Hemisphere side still left fighting in the competition? What does this tell us about Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere or is it just the way the pools panned out? I think it's just the way the pools panned out. Uh, The draw, obviously, we've been speaking about for ages, you know, the draw shouldn't have been the way it was. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the top five teams... Um, you know, being drawn on the same same side is just a bit ludicrous, but that's the way it was. So um, the... uh, I, I just really hope that kind of New Zealand win it um, now, to be honest, um, because it would be another bitter pill for the lads to swallow that, you know, South Africa go on and win it and the only team to beat them in the competition is Ireland. Um, that will create another kind of itch that people will... You'll need to buy another pillow, Mike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I... I don't know. England have a performance in them purely because they have world class players in their team, but they haven't performed 
anywhere close to their mm-hmm. the level that they're capable uh, uh, capable of um and yeah i just think their route one you know had they kick a lot uh, i think south africa will you know yeah i just think they'll be they'll be eaten up really you know we've two weekends left in this year's rugby world cup who do you see as outright winners i'm gonna i think south africa to be honest, you yeah. know, just based on the recent head-to-head results, like I think they're going to beat sweep England aside, and then, you know, judging the last couple of the games against New Zealand, I think that they have, you know, the personnel to really go after New Zealand like they did in the couple, couple months ago. Mm. So that's Johnny, what, you hope New Zealand. I hope New Zealand win, but I would have to agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's probably another thing as I said that's going to sting a bit if if they do but yeah, um, yeah I, uh, unfortunately I agree Okay well we'll leave it there for today lads my thanks to Johnny and to Mike it's the end of the road for Ireland in this year's Rugby World Cup but the show must go on and we'll be back on House of Rugby with thanks to Heineken next week until then Slonga Fold Sports Joe presents House of Rugby together with Heineken get the facts be drink aware visit drinkaware.ie